Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Home Video Update. My name is Mike. It is just after 8 a.m. on the 6th of August 2022. And yeah, so I wanted to start a podcast. And as a big podcast listener, I wanted to try something new and add something to get my voice back out there from when I used to have a YouTube channel and a few other things. I thought podcasting might be the easiest way of doing this. So yeah, why now? Why this week? Well, because this week, the world of home media, considering this is a home media podcast, um, has gone a bit crazy. So this is going to be a bit loose form. I do have talking points. I do have a plan for this first episode, but this first episode is just that, just a episode zero, shall we call it, to see how we're doing. I've got a black coffee that is cooling down. I'm just opening a can of, what is it called? Rubicon Raw Energy Raspberry and Blueberry, which has more sugar in than I actually drink in anything. So you never drink your calories, obviously, but it's early. I've been up since 5 a.m. and I want to keep this thing going. So I'm giving myself some energy as much as I can. So, yeah, um, I'm going to start with what I've been watching this week. Um, last night I watched Prey on Disney Plus. It's available on Disney Plus in the UK. I know it's Hulu in most other territories. Yeah, this is what I wanted to start the podcast for right now is because we live in the world of 2022 where streaming is becoming more prevalent. Obviously, the COVID pandemic and everything else made cinemas change and made things change for the way people watch and consume media and content. Um, I know a lot of people that will be listening to this have been collectors of media going way, 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 way back from, you know, things like Super 8, 35mm to Super 16 and then Beta, VHS, DVD, 4K, Laserdisc, you know. But there have been ways to watch your favorite movies at home in varying qualities in varying styles and now we live in the streaming future everyone has fast broadband everyone has ways of watching these things um, the quality is getting better in most cases sometimes it's worse paramount plus i didn't last much past the seven day preview period because nothing was in 4k and the only film i want to watch on there was a very brady sequel and for some reason the dialogue was locked into a left-hand channel on a 5.1 matrix. Well, I don't understand. I complained, but the complaint process is absolute bullshit. Um, yeah, so Prey is a film I really enjoyed. I watched it in Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision um, on my Panasonic OLED, and it looked amazing. It sounded amazing. Um, Dan Trachtenberg has a great feel for when to use Atmos high channels as seen in 10 Cloverfield Lane. It really has its moments. It's gory. It's fun. It's clever. Um, FYI, I did watch the English language version. I was going to watch the Comanche version, but the subtitles for that version were the full hard of hearing subtitles. So it would say things like rabbit rustles in bush. I, I can, I can see that. Um, and I didn't need it to tell me that. I wish there was an option just for dialogue. Because um, in the English version, there are French characters that speak in French. And there were no subtitles for them because 
I feel that the Comanche characters wouldn't know what they were talking about, and that's why that made sense. So I did watch the English version. Um, I thought it was a great film, but why? what's this got to do with streaming? It went straight to streaming. I would have preferred to see this in the cinema. I know there were some cinema showings, I believe, um, mostly in America. I don't think there are any in the UK. I would have liked to have seen it in a cinema. I thought it was something that is a cinema experience. I have a weird thing as I get older in that I get less and less experimental with things I watch. And when I'm at home, I normally have a phone or a tablet in my hand while I'm watching something in the background. And I shouldn't do it, especially as a first watch, because it's going to distract from literally what I'm watching. Um, I should just be paying attention to it. And in the cinema, obviously, good people, um, myself included, turn their phones off completely when you're in the cinema. Um, I don't want disturbances. I want to watch the film. I did do that for Prey. Um, my tablet had run out of power, so that was on charge. My phone was put to one side and I just got absorbed in the actual film. I know some people complained on Twitter. I've seen some rumblings this morning that they didn't like it. Most people are saying it's the best Predator film since the first. Um, I'd probably go with that. But I'm a lot more lenient on the Predator series than most folks. I think Predator 2 is quite excellent. I think it's a fun little film. Um, Gary Busey's great fun. Danny Glover is not your typical action hero, and I think that works for that reason. Um, obviously, Bill Paxton is in it also, which is you know where he gets his thing of being killed by an alien, a predator, a Terminator, um, and that's kind of cool. Um, Predators, I think, is also great. Um, Nimrod Antel did a really good job with that, and I wish he got a sequel. Um, it's a shame he couldn't get Arnie to appear for this. Um, I know Arnie always tries to... People always want to get Arnie in their Predator sequel. Um, obviously, Gary Busey was meant to be Arnie in the original script in Predator 2. He was meant to turn up at the end of Predators in The Predator. He was meant to come out at the end. Now, The Predator, as a Shane Black mega fan, was disappointing. It starts off quite well. I don't like the stereotypical Tourette's character um, trope. I think that's flawed. And the really, really, really clever autistic kid that can solve everything. It's just tropey as hell. And I don't know what Shane Black was doing because he's a smarter writer than that. But Prey does elevate the series back up. Um, it is fun. It is clever. It's inventive. It has the right nods. It has the right feel for a Predator film. I like the redesigned Predator. I know it's got a name. I can't think of what the name for the new Predator is, um, but it's kind of cool. It looks good. Um, the weapons are inventive. The kills are inventive. It's genuinely a fun Saturday night movie. And I think worth watching. If you're on the fence and if you have a, a um, streaming platform that actually you're able to watch Prey on, I would say watch it. I think it's, an excellent, fun Saturday night movie. Um, I think most of the rumblings online from the people, I think it's it's legitimate for you to not like something. Um, but a lot of things, especially you see online that get signal boosted, are because people think that, oh, it's a girl who's, you know, the lead protagonist and, oh, how dare they? And, oh, it's woke. It's, it's just pathetic. Um, 
just to let everyone know straight out there in this first episode zero, I don't go for that shit. Representation matters. People matter. The only people in this world I don't like are assholes because you've chosen to be that way. Anyone else born the way they are, that's who you are. And just don't be an asshole. That's that's my rule. Um, but yeah, pray. It it looked really good. The I had to because it is summer in the UK. And even at 6pm as I started to watch it, it was quite sunny. My living room is a bit of a light trap. I did have to change it to Dolby Vision Vivid on my TV because some of the dark scenes I just couldn't see. I don't normally mess with it. I normally just leave it on Dolby Vision Dark, which is the most colour accurate um, setting on the TV for Dolby Vision content. But my God, it was, you couldn't see anything. So there were some scenes where it did help having in Vivid. I don't tend to mess with settings. I leave everything in my calibrated normal HDR, SDR settings. And then if Dolby Vision takes over because it thinks it knows better, then I just leave it to it. Same with HDR 10, just leave it to it. Um, but yeah, I think it looked good. I say the Atmos is actually quite use, well used for once. I think um, he knows how to use a soundtrack and how to hire a sound mixer and knows what they're doing, which is quite rare nowadays. I think soundtracks have gotten progressively worse since multi-channel came out in the 90s, but this is something we'll cover on here, I think, quite a few times. Um, so yeah, um, I saw Prey on Disney+. Plus. I think it's worth watching. Um, in the cinema, I saw The Living Daylights. You know, that current 2022 film, Timothy Dalton's The Living Daylights. Um, Dalton is my favourite Bond by a long, long, long way. Um, he only got to do two films, which I think is really sad. I had seen Living Daylights in the cinema before. I think it was in a weird Butlins-like showing at some holiday camp, uh, maybe a year or two years after, because I think the same time we saw Back to Future Part 2 and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So I think it's like an older print that was lying around, or one of them was an older print, and it was just like films you can show to kids. I don't know why you're showing the kids Living Daylights, but probably because they develop good taste. It's, um, yeah, I, I went to see it because I wanted to see it on the big screen again. I haven't watched any of the Bond re-releases that they're showing at the moment. I wanted to see Living Daylights and License to Kill. I had tickets booked for both of them, and I only saw the Living Daylights. So why did I back out after seeing Living Daylights and didn't see License to Kill? Well, Living Daylights was the old Lowry Master. That includes the day for night scene that is completely the wrong colour. Um, all the audio changes in the 5.1 mix they made where some of the ADR and some of the soundstage dialogue is completely wrong. The mix is completely screwed up. I have, when I got back from the cinema, having thoroughly enjoyed the movie because it's great, um, I did sit down with the three lace discs I have. I've got two Japanese ones and one American one and a 35mm copy of the soundtrack that I have. Not the score, the actual audio soundtrack. And listen to those scenes that I thought sounded really weird in the cinema. And sure enough, they are not the same. So it just goes to show that if you've only listened to the Blu-rays or anything from the Ultimate Editions on, you will probably not notice any difference. But I sat there thinking, that sounds terrible. And sure enough, it did. Um, the colours were drab. It looked 
really, really, really lifeless. There was a little bit of color in some of the scenes, especially when it gets into Afghanistan later on in the movie, but it's there was nothing there. It it held me through because it's the living daylights and I love the living daylights. It's the best crossover from the harder end bond that Dalton brought and the gadget silliness of the previous bonds, um, especially sort of more later Roger Moore. Um, I know a lot of people at the time said it was too self-serious that Bond had in the AIDS landscape gone sort of one woman, um, which isn't true when you watch the movie, especially in License to Kill. He's juggling more than one woman in that, but um, yeah, it's it's a shame because I'm pretty sure now, I didn't get to see these, but it was around 2012, 2013. VUE in the UK, cinema chain run by Virgin. They um, had what they advertised as 4K new remasters of all of the Bond movies. Now, from what I could piece together at the time, these were brand new scans of all the movies. Um, because if you know the history of the Lowry box set, and I'm sure someone like... Um, Downfall, I, I, I can't speak today. Downfall, idealistic crusader on YouTube, um, slash Captain Solo, other places. Um, he is the authority on this. I think I know quite a bit about original audio mixes, but compared to him, I know absolutely nothing. He is the be all and end all as far as I'm concerned. He just knows this stuff. Um, shout out to his YouTube channel. It is really good and it goes in depth like you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure these these were newer masters, um, and the box set that came out on Blu-ray was a mix. They originally released, I think it was five Bond movies or four Bond movies on Blu-ray, and then they released the box set. These were a mix because they had to go back and rescan some. I think Moonraker was one of the ones they rescanned um, that weren't Lowry. Spy Love Me as well. Um, Spy Love Me actually looks pretty darn good in its 4K version. Um, I also have um, the 4K versions on iTunes as well for streaming of both the Brosnan movies and Brosnan Dalton movies, and they still look the same. Um, and yeah, these, from what I could piece together, these masters that VUE were showing were the masters done after the point of the box set release. So the box set release came out, and then they did the new masters because they want to shore up things for, I'm guessing, HDR or whatever else, because the Lowry Masters, some were scanned in, I think, 6K, and then downsampled to 4K. Um, they mostly were not really taken good care of, it would seem. They were very slapdash, as Lowry is wont to. Lowry slash Reliance are a terrible company for restorations. Not quite Revolta bad, but they are terrible. Um, they kind of ruined Star Wars, and a lot of other films because their love of DNR. Um, yeah, I'm not going to see any more of these Bond re-releases in the cinema. My cinema only shows them quite late, and I'd rather go to an afternoon showing in the cinema. Like, I'm going to see Bullet Train in a couple of hours, and that's like a 10 to 1 showing, so I've got the rest of the day free. Um, I don't like going to late showings because they're normally busier. They're normally full of idiots who have their phones out or talk or whatever else, and I'd just rather not. Um, but 
this kind of sides into the next film I watched and the reason for this podcast completely is the fact that the deletion of previous versions of films. So we live in a temporary society now where Disney can cut um, movies um, or TV shows. Falcon Winter Soldier, they said it was a mistake, but I think it was a trial to see if anyone noticed. Um, see something was posted on Twitter about the French Connection being censored on a streaming platform. This happens too much. Um, you look at all these people in their cheap seats who only want Atmos remixes on 4K discs and on streaming. They don't want original soundtracks. Um, now that's fine. If you want an Atmos remix, more power to you. But there is plenty of room on streaming and on 4K disc where you can put a selectable original soundtrack, whether it's stereo, 5.1, mono. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't just be the preserve of the boutique labels like the Arrows when they were good. Um, and the four cult um in italy um that put original soundtracks on but unfortunately that is the state of affairs that we're in so the next film i watched was total recall um the original total recall obviously um i have access to a 35 millimeter print of this um for a friend and i've seen it um quite a few times and it's a gorgeous looking movie um the whatever the second release on Blu-ray is called, Mind Mending Edition or whatever it's called. Um, terrible looking transfer. I think it was completely revisionistic. It didn't look right. Um, the 4K is better, um, but the terrible encoding from Studio Canal yet again pulling another Criterion and doing full Lego Vision in their encodes. It looked like shit. And the 5.1 track on there was missing effects. It wasn't the original track. It was completely and totally revised and was missing effects. Now, that's inexcusable. Studio Canal, for all their faults, do normally put original or close to original mixes on their discs, which is great. But I encountered 4Cult, um, K-U-L-T, so 4-K-U-L-T, if you're searching on Amazon Italy. Um, through their release of Evil Dead 2. People who know me will know I'm a massive Evil Dead fan and have a billion versions of every Evil Dead movie on every format. And they did a release of Evil Dead 2. So I got the release of Evil Dead 2, as well as quite a few others on 4K, and it's a good-looking version. And when I got it, I noticed they were doing, obviously, other releases. So... For things that they borrow from places like Studio Canal, they do add things like their own encodes of the masters, which are normally quite a lot better than the Studio Canal messes. This is why I bought um, Total Recall from them, um, because their encode is miles better and it has the original 5.1 mix. See, this is why I'm yawning as much in 3 and that's why I've got so much caffeine around me. So... The original 5.1 mix, or again, close to it, it might be a near-filled home mix, but it is a correct mix with all the sound effects still in it. I bought this because I'm not willing to settle for the generic version. I can get probably a little bit cheaper now because it's been out a bit longer from Studio Canal. Um, I wanted the close to best version for preservation reasons because 
these are movies that are going to vanish in a few years because there'll be a new version or a new color timing or an Atmos only version or an 8K remaster that changes the colors around or Arnie decides that he gets sued by someone in one scene or Verhoeven does something that gets him cancelled or whatever and they'll have to change something about it. So you preserve it in the best version you can, which should be 4K physical disc. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to happen because these soundtracks get missed off or screwed up or something else goes wrong with them. But it is quite a decent looking disc. It is slightly different to color timings and things like that of the print. Obviously, the print is old and it is as a print of that age would be quite contrasting. The colors are okay. Um, they're not perfect, but the 5.1 does sound pretty close to what I'd imagine the 70 millimeter sounded like. It's not perfect. I don't think it's even remotely perfect for sound, but compared to the Studio Canal disaster, you're not going to get anywhere near close to this. Um, now, I did lump this in with something later on the podcast, which is new catalog titles on 4K, because I picked up the BFI release to get Carter, but I'm going to move it up to this because talking about soundtracks. I've posted on Twitter about this, and I've made um, comment other places, and some other people have agreed with me here and there. The sound mix on that is really quiet. I want someone who knows what they're really talking about to have a look at it, because I run at minus 30 on my Pioneer receiver um, most of the time because that's as high as I can get it without neighbors complaining and things falling off the wall and it's plenty loud enough for the um, 7.2.1 setup that I'm running for Atmos slash DTSX at the moment. Now, I had to put that up to plus 10. That's insane. And it still wasn't what I called loud. It was audible at that point. Other people on Twitter have replied and said, hey, yeah, it's right. Now, I've owned Get Carter on quite a few other formats. I had it on DVD, VHS. I had it on um, Blu-ray, um, the fixed version. And BFI actually replied to me on Twitter and said, oh, no, this is the original sound mix. It's not a remix. And I was like, well, I didn't say it was a remix. I said it was insanely lowly mixed and very quiet um like you got the levels wrong then someone who seems to actually kind of know what they're talking about replied to me and said it's the same level of mix on every other version now looks like i've owned get carter quite a bit i've watched it quite a bit um i don't ever remember having to crank it up like it was a disney atmos 4k title where they're worried about blowing someone's speakers up because they've got a soundbar from a supermarket it's a boutique label with an original mono mix because it's an older film that had a mono mix and that's how it should be presented and it, how it should sound. And sure enough, it's the right thing to do. They have the right mono mix. They have it sounding right. It looks gorgeous. I mean, I've only watched clips and bits of it. I flicked through the disc. Um, I haven't had time to watch it fully. I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow. Um, it looks stunning. They've done some amazing restoration work on that. And um, the BFI are normally very good at this stuff. And 
there shouldn't be that you have to turn it up well over what your normal listening level has been. I've I've put some stuff up to like zero on the receiver where like the Disney stuff, especially Thor Ragnarok, I think is probably the worst one to go up past that is crazy because if the menus mix louder or you have to press stop on something or something else still focus on the TV set because of an HDMI conflict or something, you know, the cat accidentally steps on the PlayStation control and turns on the PlayStation and CEC kicks in and flips your HDMI over. Um, that suddenly you're deaf or you blow a speaker or something you it's it's not right and i don't know if it is just me and my chain but i'm quite savvy with my chain i know what the receiver can do i know what the tv can do um it doesn't seem right in the slightest um there's something definitely going wrong now I can live with it. I can turn it up. Um, it doesn't sound like it's peaking anything or distorting anything, putting it up so loud. It doesn't sound like it's been compressed from what I can tell. I say I only watch a few clips, but if all these boutique labels, and they are smaller indie sort of things, not Arrow anymore, they're owned by the Hut Group, which is one of the biggest companies in the UK slash universe. Um, and they they are not small fries or boutique anymore. Same as Criterion. They are, you know, Sony pays for a lot of that with the mastering and all this other stuff. So they all should do better, especially for the price they pay. Back when they were smaller independents, um, I get paying more because the work they have to put in. But when they license stuff from big companies, that costs a fee. I understand that. Um, they have certain elements they have to use or elements they borrow from places. I understand that. I understand the logistics of it. But I don't understand paying more for worse quality, which seems to be the criterion thing. Um, I don't understand standing any company in the world ever. They are companies. They are there to take your money. Some do nice things and some release great looking and sounding discs. Um, but look at the quality control on Arrow 4K titles especially, they've had, what, 80% recall rate? Without getting to places like Screen Factory who have to be yelled at until they decide that, oh yeah, it is a bit faulty, we'll do a recall, sorry, um, on most of their discs. And even the Halloween discs with talking about compression nightmares, my fucking God. Um, yeah, just just, just terrible. Um, and that new box set they're putting out, they want $40 per title. No, no, no matter what your deal is, I'd rather just buy them from someone like Lionsgate or Paramount, whoever's putting out the Miramax backlog now. Um, just subpar encoding, crap artwork, and people just seem to buy them for the collectability of the slipcases and the posters and the bragging rights of having a first edition with a poster and a slipcase. Who cares? It's cardboard. Now, physical media, I get the whole thing. I, um, this this whole thing is about physical media. You know, I have my lace discs on display because they look nice, because the artwork is great. I collect movie posters. You know, I I get the physicality of media collecting, but it's a cardboard slipcase. I buy 4K discs 
because I know the arts can be bad because mostly they do new artwork on them because they've got to appeal to a wider audience as possible, especially with such a niche product, which I've been saying for years. I am very tired. Um, that is the the new Laserdisc, the way the adoption is going to be. It's going to be a niche boutique format. It just is. And I understand that it will get to a point where the people buying them will only want really cool steelbooks or slip cases or slip boxes and posters and whatever else. And it's nice to have those things. But when BFI can put out an amazing restoration like Get Carter, audio issues I have aside, with a poster and a booklet and extras, new extras and things like that, and it's only £25? Well, that puts everyone else to shame as far as I'm concerned, because BFI are smaller than most of them. Um, now, the lament here is, as I'm waxing lyrical about the issues with physical media, with compression, with all these things, we live in the digital streaming future, and compression is only good as whatever your bandwidth limits are. So you stream these things out and your bandwidth is what your bandwidth is. And if you can get 4K at 12 MB a second or whatever else, then that's what you get. Now, say watching Prey, I didn't see any macro blocking and I am really, really prone to seeing macro blocking and really bad encodes. It's, I'm not one of these people who can watch something and think, oh, it looked lovely. I didn't see any problems with saving Private Ryan on 4K, even though it is probably, especially in the HDR10 layer, one of the worst encoded discs I've ever seen on any format. It's shocking. Um, we live in the streaming future. And this podcast was pushed forward. I was going to leave it a couple more weeks to get more prepared, get more equipment, get more bits and bobs. But I had to put something together because of... Warner fucking brothers. Now, so we, everyone should be aware now of what's happened this week. Wherein Zazaf have gone in, has gone in and he's taken over Warner brothers and he's looked at the disasters that have gone on there. And there have been a few. I mean, just without even focusing on the DC stuff, their decision to put everything on HBO Max really hurt their bottom line. Um, during the COVID pandemic. And obviously, Thomas E. Cruz has come along and shown everyone that holding your movie for three, four years really paid dividends because he's made all the money in the world with Top Gun Maverick, quite rightly so. It's an excellent movie. Um, and I went, I traveled three hours to see it in my nearest IMAX because it was an event for me, being a big Tony Scott fan and a Top Gun fan. Um, now, movie watching has changed. You've got 45-day windows or three-month windows or whatever else to get things on streaming. So there are a lot of films that I personally would wait for on streaming if I felt like I didn't want to go to see it in the cinema or if I only had half a passing interest in it. I would just watch it on streaming. Why not? Especially when there are quote-unquote IMAX versions on, say, Disney Plus, with you not losing these exclusive ratios. Um, you've mostly got 4K, Dolby Vision, Atmos. You know, there, there are these options if you have a good setup, and I think mine's pretty good. It's not a £25,000 install, but I think it's pretty good. 
um, especially my TV. I'm not a big OLED fan, but Panasonic in that year made OLEDs that made me think I want an OLED, which is saying something. Um, I was cautious about things like these new streaming services. So say Paramount Plus, I lasted a week. It's not very good. It's not worth the money yet. If they brought in, you know, HDR and 4K and proper multi-channel mixes and other things, then yeah, maybe I might go for it. HBO Max, we don't get over here because Sky have a stranglehold on the Warner Brothers properties at the moment. Um, but HBO Max did look appealing. They did have more on there that I'd want to see. Um, the problem comes with, I think, the money they poured into things at Warner Brothers and didn't get returns through HBO Max. They didn't get returns for... Things like June don't really count. June made didn't make money like um, Leon Love's previous film, Blade Runner 2049, didn't make money. It made cachet. It made, um, it made a difference because people took notice, critical acclaim. Um, people wanted more of it. So Sony slash Warner Brothers put money into Blade Runner and they were happy with the return because they made money on the back end. And they made plaudits on the back end it got them noticed for the right reasons so that makes sense with june same thing i mean you wouldn't have thought they were going to go into a second film with the box office the way it started out it did make okay money it didn't flop um i think a lot of people think things flop if they don't make a billion dollars that's not how that works even with hollywood accounting um but they're making the second film which is great because it's a prestige movie it might be a $200 million prestige movie, but it's a prestige movie nonetheless. It's not going to make Top Gun money, but it's not got a wider pill or a built-in brand like that has. Dune has always been esoteric, no matter how many billions of people have read the book or how many hundreds of millions of people have read, have seen, you know, Children Dune or the David Lynch Dune and things like that. Talking of Arrow 4K recalls, I got my replacement disc in the post and it's still in its little box because... Why I just haven't got around to opening it. I got set aside a day to watch June, sat down, watched it, and I was like, oh, it doesn't work. I'll send off the disc. And that was months ago. Um, but yeah, so Warner Brothers um, were pushing over the new DC initiative. Um, it was all hinged around the Flash and what I assume is going to be Flashpoint, where they will change the universe for the one they wanted. I think that's why they're backing The Flash and Ezra Miller so much. Um, they being a grooming, insane person, nonetheless, let's not go down that rabbit hole of insanity because no thank you. Um, talking of people who are arseholes, uh, they might be mentally ill anyway. Um, but yeah, so I think it's hinged around that because I think the reason that Ben Affleck is in that movie is because... It originally starts off with the Justice League continuity and then things change through Barry messing around and causing Flashpoint where Keaton becomes Batman. And that's why he's in Batgirl, because that was where that was coming after it and it was going to be part of the continuity. And now they're refilming Aquaman 2 and... One of the other films that signed up to put Ben Affleck and maybe Michael Keaton in that as well, because you haven't got Batgirl anymore. 
because they've decided to kill it. Now, this hasn't really happened before. Things get written off to tax, movies do, but not big, massive blockbusters like this. This was a 60 to $90 million movie that was being turned into a $100 million movie because they're going to move it to streaming to theatrical in some territories. It had directors who just got praised for their work on the first and last episode of Ms. Marvel. Um, they directed the pre-COVID hit Bad Boys for Life, aka Bad Boys 3, that I thought was visually interesting, but massively flawed and not a great movie. I'm a big fan of popcorn entertainment, and it it didn't really work for me. It had some moments. I laughed at once, one line. That was about it. Looked good. It looked like a Michael Bay movie, um, which is what you go for. Um, go just got Michael Bay back, but obviously he didn't want to do it. He wanted to make the much worse Six Underground, um, and then have his return to form in Ambulance. Um, but these two directors have had basically their hard work thrown to the wall. Now, the original line about this was it was testing poorly. But further investigation shows it had one test screening that was marked as fair to good, which isn't bad for an unfinished effects movie with scenes that were still left to be reshot. Fair to good is a good starting point because. One tier above that is good to excellent. So it it wasn't about bad screenings. Now, there is some scuttlebutt on the internet of Zaslev not liking female characters. He was a Trump supporter. He gave to Trump. He has made comments in the past about that could be construed as misogynistic, whether he is or isn't. I don't know. Don't know the guy. Don't really want to know him because he cancelled Batgirl. Um, now, this may also, speculation says, lead to them not making the Supergirl movie. Um, Supergirl's obviously going to be in The Flash. Um, so if they move away from female-led stuff, and they could say that Wonder Woman 1984 underperformed, even though it was, you know, a COVID movie. Um, it was the last film I saw in the cinema before COVID. And I quite enjoyed it. Um, I haven't seen it since. I imagine I'd probably fall in line with more people afterwards because I saw it in the cinema and that kind of suits me away normally. Um, I've got the 4K disc. I should put it in at some point and watch it again. Um, the DC Universe is in trouble, obviously. Um, they've had more misses than hits. Um, Shazam going up against Endgame was stupid. Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods is going to get moved, apparently, because coming out the same week as Avatar is just fucking insane. I mean... As much as I'm not a biggest fan of Avatar, even though I own like four versions of it on Blu-ray, you can't deny the fact that the brand recognition and the people want to see... I think a lot of people on the internet have written off Avatar, and I'm not one of these people that thinks Cameron can't miss. I think he can. Um, I just think financially, even if people think it's going to be shit or they don't want to see it, they'll see it just to see if, if it's going to be a car crash or not. Um, this is scary that we have a completed or near completed film depending on who you listen to that will never see the light of day now people say oh it might be released later on with this that but if they write off to street um, to tax they legally can't release it anywhere on any format because it's written off that's what that means you cannot release it again somewhere else because you decide that hey it's the 
50th anniversary of Batgirl, we could release it. I wanted to see that movie. I'm a big Keaton Batman fan. Keaton is my favorite Batman. Um, obviously, Flash I was more interested in before the stuff about Ezra Miller being literally insane came out. Um, now I'm not so sure. I'll probably see it for Keaton if I see it for anyone at all. And Affleck, because I like Affleck. But let's say they want a 10 year plan now for their, you know, their plan for the DCEU. That James Gunn's projects are going to stay, including Peacemaker, which is linked into the Snyderverse. Um, and if they're going to change it all up, I wonder where that's going to lay. Is Keaton going to be in Peacemaker Season 2 because the timeline changes? We don't know. This is where the problem comes in. Um, it's going to be interesting in the fact that these films that are streaming only, like Batgirl potentially was going to be, will we ever get a physical release of them? So this highlights something that this is odd because the film's disappeared before it's come out. We didn't get a chance to see anything of it, not even a trailer. We've seen some behind the scenes um, filming photos. Um, Lizzie Grace put a picture up um, yesterday of her and Keaton, Keaton in suit, which looks amazing. His new redesigned suit that looks halfway between Batman and Batman Returns, which is really cool. Um these films that go up on streaming or these shows they cancel or whatever else, there's already stuff disappearing from Discovery. Uh, sorry, um, HBO Max. It is going to be HBO Max slash Discovery now um, with a horrible infographic that women watch certain things and men watch certain other things, um, which is kind of scary and misogynistic and really weird. Um, we're, we're in a place where you know, if if Zazlef is right and it was poor quality, which is what he's saying out, he didn't believe in it, fine. But how many movies, and I know this from being on Twitter, um, do, and I don't like the term guilty pleasure because I'm not guilty for liking these things. I don't feel guilty. I like what I like. These films that are derided or people say are absolute shit or they flop or whatever else, that I can still own. You know, I own three versions of Johnny Mnemonic on Blu-ray. I'm going to buy Johnny Mnemonic Black and White because I like Johnny Mnemonic. I think it's great fun. I can see that it's deeply flawed. The acting's terrible. The staging's not very good. It's pretty unfinished considering they fired the director. There are issues around it. Um, my favourite superhero movies... And there are some, and if it did a, if I did a top 10, there would be some DC, EU, and some Marvel Cinematic Universe in there because there are some good films there. I do like them. I'm not elitist. I'm not these people think, oh, fuck Marvel. I like all the Marvel movies. Eternals was boring, but very ambitious and quite pretty in places. Um, Ragnarok was a lot of people standing around, in, not Ragnarok, um, Love and Thunder. There's a lot of people standing around in rooms. Um, it didn't really work. There were some visually interesting things. It just seemed like they should have thought more or taken longer during COVID. There were issues here and there. I like Dot Strange. I'm not even some madness, but I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan, obviously, with the Evil Dead fascination. Um, 
Yeah. Um, there are reasons why I own Tank Girl on Blu-ray. There are reasons why I own, like, different copies of all these quote-unquote bad films, you know. These films that flop. I'm staring at the moment at two posters side to side, one of Blade Runner 2049 and one of Plunkett and McLean. The Jake Scott, son of Tony Scott, really Scott, sorry, um, high woman movie with Robert Collard, Johnny Miller and Liv Tyler. Those two don't go together. One was critically acclaimed and kind of flopped and one completely flopped and no one liked but me. Now, that's fine, but I own Plunkett McLean on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, the Blu-ray is shit, but it's better than nothing. Now, things that are streaming only movies. So, The Grey Man, for example. I know a lot of people didn't like The Grey Man. I thought it was a fun little stupid popcorn action movie, which is what I expect when I go see Bullet Train later. I want to disengage my brain and think, ooh, that was fun, or that was cool, or that guy got beat up well good, you know. Sometimes I don't want the cerebral entertainment. I like Transformers movies. They are stupidly fun, apart from the last one. I don't care if something's a bit cheesy, but will I ever be able to buy The Grey Man on a 4K disc and keep it forever? Probably not. You know, I can't buy discs of The Mandalorian Season 1. I can't by Obi-Wan collection in 4K HDR. You know, this is Star Wars. This stuff prints money. There's no reason why I couldn't do it, apart from the fact they want subscriber numbers. So they've got not just one sale in a two for £20 offer on 4K disc. They've got £20 every month because you want to watch Andor or you want to watch Ms. Marvel or you want to watch She-Hulk or whatever else the next property is. You want to watch what was on that um, um, Warner Brothers Discovery thing? It was like the 90 Day, fi um, 90 day Fiance Universe. I mean, yeah, that's up with the DC Universe. <laughs> what the fuck? But that's what makes the money. People want to go on and watch all this stuff. You know, they recently had a sale on, and I think it was a mistake because it was only up for a couple of hours on Amazon Prime. We did tons of TV series where the first season, not episode, season, were 10p. I bought the first season of Bewitched, now it's colourised, which is a shame, for 10p. 10 whole English pence. I'm happy with just spending 10p and watching a shitty colourised version of Bewitched because, do you know what, most of it still holds up. It's a bit dated in places, especially the first episode. Ray teaches to tell Samantha she's got to be a good housewife and she's got to cook and keep, keep house and she can't be a witch. Yeah, all right, mate. Um, you know, I don't mind the idea of having some things streaming. There are some things I'd rather buy a $3.99 or $2.99 sale version of on iTunes, for example, and watch on my Fire TV stick. Um because I can, you know, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. There is no 4K version of that. There's a SDR 4K version on iTunes I bought for £3.99 and I can watch it in 4K if I want to. If it's the best way of watching something, that's fine. If it's the only way of watching something in perpetuity, that's an issue. They're talking back to Shane Black. There was a TV show pilot he did for Amazon. Um, 
try and think of the name of that. Uh, Shane Black pilot is a Western. Uh, let's have a look. Edge the Loner. There you go. Edge the Loner. Watch Edge the Loner on Amazon Prime. So I will accept cookies. This was done for Amazon Prime as a pilot for their whatever it was called. And um, they had a pilot program where they would try and make seasons out of something. So Edge the Loner, hundred um, one hour, two minutes, November the 5th, 2015. It was on Amazon only because it was their pilot. This video is unavailable to watch. It's their pilot. Shane Black wrote and directed this thing and you cannot watch it because Amazon took it down. It's absolutely insane. I missed it because I thought, oh, I'll watch it eventually because I knew it would always be on Amazon because it's an Amazon product. Why would it not still be on Amazon for the rest of forever? That would be stupid if they took it off, wouldn't it? I mean, come on, that would be absolutely crazy. Why would you take it off Amazon? Oh, wait, that's why you took it off Amazon, because it didn't work and because you can. So if I want to watch in Extraction in six years or if I want to watch um, The Grey Man or any other reason, Six Underground, maybe I think, you know, as a Michael Bay apologist, I should apologize for Six Underground and rewatch it or Red Notice or all these other quote unquote blockbusters. I might not be able to watch them because they might not exist because Netflix might, and it looks like they might, go bust. Um, having a larger stable on the Disney Plus side because they've got Fox stuff. Well, Fox stuff and Disney stuff goes on Amazon Prime as well. There's a film called Ritual with um, Ray Spall, Timmy Spall's son, which is quite an effective little creepy thriller about these guys on a, I think it's a stag do or something, or a walking holiday or whatever else in... I think it's Norway or Sweden um, going through words and being chased by something. It's quite an effective little spooky film. It was originally put over here as a there were cinema trailers and I it either came out in the cinema, I think. And then it became an Amazon exclusive or an Amazon. Um, whatever they call it, it's like made by Amazon or whatever. So an Amazon Prime movie. And it was labeled as such. It was Netflix and other territories. Then it disappeared off Amazon. It then turned up on Netflix as a Netflix exclusive or a Netflix content or whatever they call their in, you know, individual things they make themselves. Then it disappeared off there and turned back up on Prime just as a normal film. So these exclusive deals they do with movie companies don't last that long unless they pay for it. And even if they do pay for it, in the case of Edge the Loner, they disappear anyway. I don't understand what's going on. These films that have disappeared off HBO Max this week set a scary precedent because, all right, there are deals involved where things disappear off Disney Plus because there's deals with Sky or um, Cinemax or whoever else, you know, in America or even HBO. Um, but their own content that they make post their streaming service, it should stay on there forever. If I want to watch Lightyear, 
Um, if I haven't bought the 4K disc of Lightyear, because do you know what? The film's okay, maybe. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I thought it was all right. But do you know what? Today I fancy five years down the line watching Lightyear again. I'll put in Lightyear because, oh no, wait, I didn't buy the disc. Let's watch it on Disney Plus because they've got the IMAX version on there. So I'll watch the IMAX version. Lightyear is currently unavailable. Okay. Or there's been some controversy because America's apparently turning back to the Dark Ages and it becomes like the Middle Eastern countries where they haven't released Lightyear because there is LBGTQ content in it. So therefore, oh God, we can't possibly show that on Disney Plus anymore. It'd be like the Disney Channel where we've only got to have G-rated stuff where we're the bastions of good, honest PG, G-rated entertainment. I mean, you look at talking about Disney, and it's not their fault, but Star Wars, you know. You look at Star Wars from 1977, you look at Empire Strikes Back, you look at Return of the Jedi, um, or even Heat. So Heat came out on 4K this week. It is Michael Mann's fucking shitty new version, like everything Michael Mann does, um, where he worse than Lucas or Cameron, can't leave shit alone. Um, we will not get the original versions of the Star Wars trilogy on official physical media ever, I don't think. Especially while George is alive. Probably even when he's dead. They just won't exist. We have to go to people like Harming or the 4K guy, so Project 4K or um, 4K77 and all these other things, because that's probably the only way we're going to get it. Or people who scan like the special editions or the prequels. Um, there is a, you know, that there, there are there are ways to see these things that aren't legal, which is fucking stupid. Because the amount of times I've bought the Star Wars trilogy on a million fucking formats, I should be able to watch it legally the way I want to watch it in the quality I want to watch it at. I shouldn't have to settle for the official release of it being, you know, those DVDs with the Laserdisc Masters on, or even my Laserdiscs, which I'd probably watch Laserdiscs anyway, because um, the audio is better, because it's straight PCM. Um, so I don't understand why original versions of these things are just disappearing. I mean, while there are like you can make the argument of artists can control their art and it's their art and they can show what they want to show but i'm sorry i spent 20 fucking years watching star wars because that's what it's fucking called um from 1977 the way it was you know it was called star wars it was not called a new hope all the covers of it said star wars yes the crawl was updated in 1978 to show a new hope but it was called Star Wars. Have you seen Star Wars? You didn't say that to mean the overarching Star Wars cinematic universe. You just said Star Wars. If you wanted to talk about Empire Strikes Back, you'd talk about Empire Strikes Back or Empire or ESB. This is something that is getting worse. So Heat has the terrible dynamically compressed 5.1 audio mix. And the read until color timing that man loves so much that he ruined my favorite film of all time, Thief, with. The Criterion version is fucking terrible. I own it because 
own every version of Thief, pretty much. Um, but he did it back on latest, the Direct Edition of Thief, um, which was redone with the scene put back in and some other trims. Then he um, redid it again for the Criterion Edition. Same with Manhunter, who's done like four versions. He currently, well, I stop yawning. I need to drink more of this Rubicon Raw Energy Drink. That's better. Um, he can't leave her alone. And he got people who, I'm not going to name names, but the YouTubers, they, people know who they are, who think they know what they're talking about because they have these 20 grand fucking setups or more where people like LG who shell out everything to everyone send them 84-inch fucking OLEDs to hang on their walls. Um, they think they know what they're talking about. They get formats wrong and they say that oh it's digitally acquired no it fucking wasn't it was 70 millimeter or it was super 16 or super 35 or whatever else it was shot and they don't do the research and even that you can tell how something was filmed you can tell film stock quite a lot of times if it's a good transfer heat's been fucked i mean i've got the itunes version because it was on sale if I want to watch an hdr and 4k i'll probably watch that um i'm not gonna buy the disc unless it's fire sailed somewhere uh, which most fox discs normally are to be fair i got speed very cheap speed's great though speed's fucking amazing the soundtrack sound mix is amazing um the transfer is fucking great um i'm not one of these people who's an idiot um who thinks that specs are the problem that he looks quote-unquote too dark because it's on a 66 gig blu-ray that's fucking stupid you get people like fidelity in motion they can encode a seven hour film onto a 25 gig blu-ray it's about putting the bits in the right places it's not about having a sustained peak of 90 megabits per second that's not how that works um heat looks the way it does and sounds the way it does and there are people who ex say it sounds better than it's ever sounded and it's the best no the cinema version is an insanely and going back to 90 sound mixes it's insanely good sound mix the laser disc is pretty close if not the exact same sound mix um in its 5.1 version the pcm version is fucking great as well actually um there is a korean dvd that i used to have that was um full frame and full rate dts that had the original sound mix and i wish i never got rid of it because i can't find it anywhere else it might be bootlegged um but it was insanely well mixed insanely loud it sounded like the full uncompressed like original mix like really gorgeous then warner brothers put it out on blu-ray um and it was nerfed a little bit it was dynamically compressed because people got into these sound bars or sound bases or whatever else then michael Mann's direct edition came out and it was compressed even more it was tealified it was the contrast was really low it was i don't know why he does these things i think he's just getting old um because his new stuff doesn't look like it which is the weird thing. Um, it's like public enemies or collateral don't look like Heat. It's not like he's pulling a Ridley Scott and going back to make things look like he makes things look now so they don't look dated. It's not about that. It's really strange. Um, man's a weird guy. Um, he casts Ansel Algor in things, despite the fact he's pretty much cancelled. Um, I need to watch Tokyo Vice, actually. I don't like... Ansel, but I'll watch it for um, 
fact it's meant to be good and it's Michael Mann actually doing something good for once. I liked Luck, his race, racehorse um, TV show. Uh, that was pretty good. But yeah, these these versions are getting lost to time. We lost a whole movie this week in Batgirl. We're probably never going to see that unless it leaks in unfinished form. That movie's gone. We will probably never see Batgirl ever. That's fucking depressing. Um, I really wanted to see that movie. Um, good or not, just to see Keaton. I would have... I'd stand out for Keaton. I I would just like fangled all over the place because the minute Keaton walked on the screen, and it probably would have the Elfman. You know, it would have been. I'd been probably, properly just like squirming in my seat, waiting for that moment. I would have been so hyped. And I'll probably do the same in the Flash, um, just because it's Keaton. But all these versions of these films are disappearing. Look at the 4K preservation of Blade Runner. We've got the final cut, which I I don't like the final cut. The colours are wrong. It's not the original version of any kind. It's got scenes filmed when that was made. Um, It hasn't got the original sound mix, even original to the final cut. Um, That was a 5.1 mix, and it wasn't great, but it was better than the Atmos mix, which completely steps on... Um, some music cues and it completely distorts and cuts in when it's it's so badly mixed i swear these people with atmos are either people who've come up through the industry for 70 80 years and think that whooshing things around sounds better because that's what the kids want to hear or it is kids mixing it and they don't know what they're doing in respect to original mixes. They don't know how to be respectful. They want to whoosh things around. And oh, Vangelis, oh, who gives a shit? You know, especially now he's dead. He's not going to say anything. Let's just piss all over his fucking his score because who cares? No, that's that, no. We've, we've losing these original versions. There was a big thing on that forum that we'll go and mention that it seemed to be the required thing was, oh, X, say Warner Brothers is putting out The Lost Boys. Cool. The Lost Boys will have, probably knowing Warner Brothers, a pretty decent transfer. It shouldn't be Macro Block City. It should look pretty good. It won't be too revisionist normally from Warner Brothers, despite what people think about the Matrix discs. Um, It should be okay in theory. Oh, but they've only put Atmos on. That means I'm going to have to rip the latest disc or find the latest disc audio put the PCM back on or the 5.1 from an earlier version because it's probably 70 millimeter blow up track or close to it. The the accepted norm seems to be we've got to make our own discs or rip our own and have hard drives full of stuff. Now I've got hard drives full of stuff. I've done it myself. Back before um, Disney Plus put these IMAX versions out, I'd buy the 3D versions of the Marvel movies, rip one of the eyes, off the disc and upscale it to 4k myself and watch it that way because i didn't always have a 3d tv and my 3d tv now my 4k one became my bedroom tv when i got my oled um so those versions again lost to time if you haven't got a working 3d tv now i've got one that works but it's not great it's an active sony it's a bit cross talky and I've got a passive LG monitor, um, which I'm staring at now next to my laptop. Um, 
if I want to watch 3D stuff, it's going to be on those. And that's not great. That's a format lost to time again, um, as the original ones were. I can remember seeing Star Tracer, Legend of Orin and Cinema in 3D when I was a little kid. And you still can't buy a 3D version of that, even when like Creature from Black Goon and all these other 3D versions got re-released when we had our last 3D wave. Um, and maybe Avatar will bring another one. You never know. They might have 8K TVs with 3D now. It's all about these things getting lost to time. And how it used to be, it was soundtracks. Soundtracks would be the, the thing. Soundtracks and film grain is what we lost. Look at the Divimax stuff that Anchor Bay put out. Garbage. dnr with brand new 5.1 DTS audio. Brand new Dolby EX 7.1 audio. 6.1 DTS ES. Great. It was mono. You know, Halloween was mono. Evil Dead 2 was mono. You can have these shitty little remixes all you want. No problem with it. You have a remix. You have a Oro 3D DTSX Atmos remix. Fine. Put the original audio on there because I don't want to fucking rip it and do it myself. It's stupid. I don't understand why I have to do this myself. You know, because these things are lost to time now. You know, you would lose these things and then you'd have a better remaster come out. Oh, my God, the grain's back. They've actually gone back to the negative and it actually looks good. Now we've got an HD version. Oh, my God. Thank God. Who? Like, you were too. Had the Divimax version, which was terrible. Then you had the first Blu-ray version, which again was smothered in DNR with that original audio. And it's just, oh, God, it's terrible. Now I own a million versions of it which are great, you know. I mean, Evil Dead 2 wasn't restored as well as Evil Dead 1. Um, I still stand by the fact that Sony paid for that. I you, I did have an article, and I've been asked to show it up a million times, and I cannot find it anymore, but I'm not imagining it, where Sony paid for it to be scanned in 6K. Um, and that was a 16mm movie, and it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, on 4K, on Blu-ray. Um, it just looks good. Which goes to source, doesn't matter. But you had to wait for these versions to come out. And then you get one that's worthy of preservation. So I don't think we're going to go much further than... If we get 8K physical media, I'll be fucking shocked. Um, but I think 4K is the limit of this stuff. So I think we will get 4K versions, physical media, and that's the version. So if I want to watch something like Evil Dead 2, I can put in one of my 4K versions, put the original sound mix on, sit back and love my life and just watch it. And that can be something I can watch until I'm 60, 70 years old, as long as I've got a player that works. And considering I've got like three or four laser players that are, you know, now, what, 30 plus years old and they're still fine. I'm sure even with less quality components, one of my 4K players will still work or I can find something with a 4K player on somewhere. You know, I still have VHSs, even though I've got a working VHS player at the moment. But I'm sure we'll play. They're not rotted. They're fine. I have some laser discs with laser rot. I have some Blu-rays that don't work anymore. My Blu-ray of Gamer um, from EIV and my Blu-ray of Book of Eli from EIV will not play. Um, sometimes I'll play and they'll skip around. Sometimes you can see the menu instead of playing it. It sort of flips between the menu and the picture. So physical media isn't beyond, you know, things going wrong. 
but you shouldn't have to settle for a worse version or a revisionist version. It should be the original version of these things that shouldn't disappear. And now we've got, like I say, movies disappearing. I think Batgirl is going to be the teaching edge of this stuff. I think Batgirl's the beginning of a bad thing because I think we'll get more of this. I think we will get things like, you know, if the Grey Man 2 or the Grey Man spinoff or these things don't hit Red Notice 2, they don't hit in the way Netflix likes. Netflix cancels things like nobody's business. So what's stopping them cancelling it and then deleting it? You know, Bright with all the stuff around Will Smith and David Ayer and all these other things. I mean, they, they back people like um, um, Chris Rock and they back people like Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais and all these people who spout hate and anti-trans stuff and all this other stuff, but they won't back filmmakers. You know, the stuff disappearing, this shouldn't be a thing. It should be preserved forever. And it shouldn't be the preserve of these people who sell these i mean you google if you want to google mandalorian season one 4k or blu-ray people sell them like real dodgy sites if i put into chrome right now mandalorian blu-ray i can weirdly go on amazon because there's an amazon link here mandalorian season one and two on dvd they are not official releases, but they're being sold on Amazon right now. Collector's Edition Season 1 and 2, 6 disc. They're not... Re they're not... that Disney don't release this. They're being sold on Amazon right now, which is fucking insane. Um, but I can't see this site. There is a site that sells... Here you go. Buy DVDs is what the site's called. Mandalorian Season 1 on DVD, £16.95. They're not official. These are really dodgy. But they've basically made their own box sets. I mean, here we've got Star Trek Discovery, got Greyhound, you know, these things that are streaming only. Um, that they've made their own special, you know, versions of, because you can never buy them. It's... There's something really wrong about the fact that if I want to buy True Lies on Blu-ray, I can go to Amazon Italy or Spain. Amazon Spain is and buy the bootleg version, which I think is based on the D Theater Master, um, which has been around the internet for ages. So it's in 35 millimeter scans as well. There's a new um, HGTV version. There's an open map version as well, the newest scan. Um, with the 5.1 mix either from the D Theater or the DVD or the Laserdisc or even the Cinema DTS. I've got the Cinema DTS of True Lies synced to the D30 version if I want to watch it. But you can buy these things. Why is it up to the fans to preserve these things? Now, we've always done it as fans. We've had bootlegs of, you know, all these things. Um, Star Wars Holiday Special, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, you know. And that's fine. And they become these MacGuffins that sit out in the world. And we think, oh, my God, they're amazing. Oh, my God, look at this. Oh, no one's ever going to believe this. Oh, wow. 
we shouldn't have to do this. However, we seem to do this because that's, you know, if if Zazleff wants to say that, you know, Scoob Holiday Haunt and Batgirl, we don't believe in them. That means that every single film that Warner Brothers puts out from this point, they believe in. So if any of them are a disaster or any of them talk about if they're racist or they're sexist or the box office is terrible or they're the worst review movie has ever made, they believed in those more than those two movies. <laughs> what, what does that say as a company? I'd rather they take big swings and massive misses. So I love John Carter. I think it's great. A lot of people think it's derivative. Of course it's derivative because everything that came out from the original John Carter was stolen. Star Wars wouldn't exist without John Carter. And obviously, you know, because Kurosawa films and stuff. Um, most sci-fi was based on John Carter of Mars. That's kind of a thing. The Princess of Mars and all that. It's, it's just, it's based on that. So you can't make a John Carter movie. Andrew Stanton couldn't have made a John Carter movie without it sounding a little bit like a million other sci-fi films that have come since. That's kind of impossible. However, I still love John Carter. You know, I, I can watch John Carter. I own it tw two copies on Blu-ray. I can sit down and watch John Carter in 3D or in 2D if I want to. It wasn't a good movie. It didn't make hardly any money according to critics and audiences. Jack and Jill that came out, I think, the same week made all the money. And that's fucking terrible. But Disney still tried it. Look at Tron. They were still going to move forward with Tron 3 until they bought Marvel. And um, Marvel and um, Lucasfilm. So once they bought those things, they realized that they had properties. They didn't have to use their own. So Tron got sidelined, and then we got things like Top Gun Maverick, which, thank God, we did. I'd still like to see Tron. I'd like to see them crawl on their hands and knees back to Kaczynski and say, hey, um, please, can we have a Tron sequel because you made money and we can say from the director of Top Gun Maverick, please. Um, I'd love that. I think that'd be great. <laughs> yes, please. Um, because Disney are about sequelizing their stuff. Look at the Pixar stuff. I haven't liked a single Pixar sequel apart from one scene in The Incredibles 2, which was the fight with the raccoon. That was great. Um, but that film was just not good. Um, I own it on 4K because I got it for one whole pound, sealed from Curry's PC World. Still sealed. Um, it's really crazy. And I'm realizing how much I'm saying um in this weird ramble cast thing that I'm doing because it's only me sitting down and no guest in this episode because it's my first trial of this and I will say I'm a lot and I will sojourn and go off on lots of different tangents because as I want to do but just because you don't believe in a film has never stopped anyone before Warner Brothers put out fucking Jonah Hex which is barely a theatrical length film they put that out I mean, seriously, they put that out. I mean, that's... They put out Joss Whedon's version of Justice League, which I don't hate as many as much as other people do. I think Snyder's version is better. Four hours is over-fucking-indulgent. No superhero movie should be four hours long. It just shouldn't. 
Um, if you wanted to split it into parts one and two, like it originally was going to be, then you should have done that. Um, you should have a conclusive end point and then start up for the sequel. It's too long. And Leto Joker is... I don't mind Leto Joker and Suicide Squad. I get the idea of it. I get the aesthetic. I don't think it's well done. I think Leto's a pedo scumbag, um, allegedly. Now that I'm putting this out in the world, I must say allegedly. Um, now, the, the, <laughs> the stuff he filmed like in his like driveway or whatever else and all these little additional bits and the stuff that's come out since about the fact that he started the campaign, he paid for bots, he paid for these signs to go up because of course he fucking did. Who else had? Who out there who really hashtag released the Scott Snyder Cut had $50,000 to put up a fucking sign on Hollywood Boulevard every single week? Um, are you fucking kidding me? N no. No one's, no one's that rich or that stupid. Um, of course Snyder was fucking involved. I mean, anyone who thought he wasn't is just crazy. I mean, he went through personal tragedy and no one should have that. That's wrong. And Whedon is a whole other bag of abuse, um, allegedly. But to go to his stupid four-hour version, fine, great. He got it out there. He got his version out. Fantastic. Everyone can shut the fuck up about it, even though they want to restore the Snyderverse now. Um, but it didn't make the money they wanted to make. It's already been fire-selled on 4K and on Blu-ray because no one bought it. Everyone watched it when it first came out. And because it's four hours, they'll watch it all the time. You've got to set aside a day to watch that shit. You know, it's 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 better. A lot better than Joss Whedon's version. Um, his insistence on the quote-unquote IMAX aspect ratio is... Yeah, I get it. I mean, I like IMAX stuff at home. All right, I haven't got an IMAX screen. Um, my local IMAX has a 4x3 screen, but only a Xeon projector, even though it's a brand new install. Um, so I only get 1.90 to 1 ratio. So when I saw um, June there, I only got 1.90 to 1, not 4 to 3. Um, the nearest one to me is the BFI in London, but that's only got a Xenon um, projector. They are closed now and they are going to reopen, hopefully with laser and um, 12 channel sound, which would be amazing. It's the biggest screen in the UK. Um, sound like a PR thing there. Um, but like No Time to Die, I, I could have gone to Birmingham to see it, which is like a seven hour trip. Uh, which is the only way to see it in 4 to 3. Same with June. Because um, they've got 4 to 3 and laser. But instead I went to London, saw it in laser. The only laser in London. Um, and it was gorgeous. But it was 1.9 out of 1. Which is fine. Because it's the widest screen in the UK. Again, sounding like a plug. Um, now I must put a little bit aside here to say that I am pretty much platform agnostic. As much as I play the fanboy on the internet and always used to it's because i don't like fanboys and i always take the opposite side because i think that oh it's dolby it's perfect rhetoric is fucking bullshit um i do think a lot of the imax stuff has too much headroom they just take the mats out especially the digital stuff and it doesn't work i think in the right places it's immersive and it's fantastic i think the opening of bond it's fine in scope um, there are some scenes that look better um, in the IMAX version. I only, said, I only saw it 1.9 over 1. Um, so I'm not sure if it looked even better or worse. I've seen some frame grabs of the 
443 version, 470 millimeter version, and it looked good. Um, I've th there are some things that are just done for marketing purposes, so like the um, Blade Runner 2049, for example, you know, and Skyfall and the other Deacons stuff where they just took the mat away and he graded it himself and just said, I don't want DMR. You can have the 4K matless version. Have that. Project that. It's marketing. It's not really, you know, experience in IMAX, it says on this poster in front of me. I didn't see it in IMAX. I saw it in Scope. I saw it in um, Dolby Atmos in a place with a laser projector, but not a branded laser projector. It's just a bar. I think it's a Barco in that install. And it looked great. Sounded great. You know, fantastic. You know, no problems there. Um, I just think these people who say, hey, it looks better because it's Dolby. Fuck off. It's the master or it's the metadata. You know, heat would look better if it was in Dolby Vision. No, it fucking wouldn't. It would just map to your screen better. A screen that needs Dolby tone mapping because it can't tone map its way out of a fucking paper bag. It needs Dolby. Fucking does. You know, I mean, I've, I've, my Panasonic I bought, especially because it has HDR10, 10 plus, Dolby Vision, and HLG. It had all the formats at that time for HDR. And I've watched lots of discs with all those formats on. Well, it was part of HLG. Um, and switched between them. And you know what? On my screen, the way it's calibrated, I don't see much of a difference. I really don't. The only time I've seen differences is like when watching Prey, when it was too fucking dark because the room was too bright. You know, I occasionally put like watching normal STR TV. If the room's bright and I'm just watching normal TV, normal bog standard TV, I'll put THX bright room on on the mode because it's too dark and you can't see an OLED in a bright room. That's just the technology. Um, putting Dolby Vision Vivid on helped. Um this is, again, like I said, about tangents, a weird tangent when we're talking about streaming and missing movies and stuff like that. But it does matter, the fact that people will call me out as a fanboy or a hater or whatever else. I've got all these things for a reason. You know, I was a massive Dolby fan in the latest days because I had no access to any DTS stuff. It was only later I got into DTS latest discs because later amps, more receivers had DTS. Um, and DTS back then was better bitrate, so therefore it was normally higher quality and normally straight cinema mixes. There are a few that were overcooked. I mean, you know, look at widescreen review and they're bitching about it back in the day. But recently I just got a, not having an RFD modulator for so long for my laser displays, I got a Sony processor that I've hooked in because it's the um, cheapest way to get one because demodulators are so fucking expensive. Um, and you know what? It, it sounds great. And that's Dolby only. I spent money on that Dolby only piece of equipment, this antiquated Sony ES, you know, um, which weren't cheap in the day. Um, processor, add-on processor that's hooked through my laser displayer into my Pioneer receiver. You know, that's a lot of money and a lot of trouble for something if I'm a Dolby hater. I could have gone with a brand that doesn't support Dolby at all. I could have gone with Samsung. Um, a lot of people go with Sony, and Sony is like, um, you know, the bad version of Dolby Vision where it's player-led. 
as opposed to TV led. I think that's the way around it is. Um, I don't care. I just want a good picture. And I don't want to lean on the Dolby Vision FEL layer because their HDR10 layer, like St. Friar's, garbage. And it looks better with Dolby Vision because the layer's got... Who gives a fuck? So HDR10 version should be perfect. The Dolby Vision layer on top of it, FEL or MEL, whichever one it is, should just give you the metadata because if your TV can't tone map it, you need to be able to tone map it. It's going to blow out the highlights or like LG stuff has the average brightness limiter set to a point where it dims the screen. Again, why well, I went Panasonic um, because I had better picture quality in the LGs of that year by a long, long way. Um, plus all the formats. I wanted all the formats because I want all the formats. You know, if I want to watch a remixed thing or something new in Atmos, I've got Atmos. If I want to watch in DTSX, I've got DTSX. Um, normally, if it's a 5.1 mix and a recent one, let's say, so a film that's recently come out and is only a 5.1 mix, like Wrath of Man, um, I think was only a, a 5.1 mix. And what's the previous Guy Ritchie film? Oh, I can't remember what it was, but you know, it was another, oh, Gentleman, I think it was a 7.1 mix, weirdly. Dolby Surround 7.1, that format died like EX did. Um, you know, I will press Surround, the special button on my remote that makes my receiver fill all those lovely speakers that I've got. If not, if I watch Get Carter, I won't put it on fucking Surround, I'll put it on Stereo or Dual Stereo or whatever else to get the mono across the front soundstage or just into my Kef center speaker because that's where I want it to go because it's a mono soundtrack. It should go where that goes. Um, it's it's depressing that, you know, seeing, going back to Living Daylights and hearing that one scene in the jail in the Afghanistani airbase where it's like, it sounds like a big soundstage and it's all really echoey. And I'm like, God almighty, their sound mixers had a day off fucking then. But that's weird. I don't think it sounds like that. I've never heard it sound that echoey. Maybe it's just the way this auditorium's set up in this cinema, because my cinema's okay that's local. It's about a mile away. But some of the screens are quite nice. It's got leather recliners. They've got good sound systems, you know. And then other ones are ratty old seats from when it opened in 1998, I think it was, 97, 98. And they haven't changed the seats, you know, they're really old and it's sticky and they're torn and they're horrible. Um, the sound's crap and it was in one of those. So you think, oh, maybe it's just, you know, the old screen and it just looks and sounds a bit shit. But going back and listening to it again, you think, no, but that version might be lost to time because they put a stereo down mix like Shout Do, um, or the 5.1 track or, you know, other places have done accidentally. And you get all these things that are completely lost. Um, see, I'm running over here. I wanted to make this first episode like an hour because I wanted to get on to, let's say, the new catalog titles inside 4 and 4K because I'm only really talk about the catalog titles here and there. And I will occasionally reference some of the sort of newer stuff if it sort of piques my interest. Um, and I was going to keep this under an hour, but already an hour 27 because I'm rambling like mad. And I still don't know if anyone's going to listen to this, so we'll have to wait and see. And based on feedback, obviously things can change and move around in the podcast. Um, 
But if you talk about new stuff, I'm obviously excited for like Top Gun Maverick to see if it has actually got, as per the scuttlebutt, the IMAX scenes on the disc. I mean, it could do. I saw it in IMAX. Um, it was only 1.9 out of 1. I think it one of these ones that actually worked um, because it was the right scenes and they were framed quite well. Um, Event Horizon, I'm excited for. I've already got the 4K stream. I've had it for quite a while. Um, I think it looks good. Um, none of the geometry issues that the other the, uh, the Blu-rays that came out. Um, I saw that was one of the first films I saw in Dolby Digital. Um, because it's very hard to find a Dolby Digital install. I think the first one I saw was actually Batman Returns, weirdly enough, the first Dolby Digital thing. Um, but one of the first things I can remember, that's probably a better way to say, it's the first things I remember seeing in Dolby Digital where the sound mixing made a difference. Um, because I'd I'd seen a lot more stuff before then. Um, and I've seen multi-channel stuff. I saw Terminator 2 apparently in CDX, as far as my memory, CDS rather, my memory recalls. Um, you know, you've got things like Friday the 13th coming out from Paramount, which I trust a lot more than people like Shit Factory. Um, and the Star Trek movies. Look, as long as we get better masters and they're not covered in DNR and Undiscovered Country actually looks like a film, I'll be happy. Undiscovered Country being a scope, I'm happy. Is the original aspect ratio, I'm happy with that. It's a shame we've lost like the more open matte version, but I've got the laser disc or whatever else if I want to watch it. I just don't want the DNR. The fact they're all seven point fucking one really annoys me because it's another one of these things I'm gonna have to rip a laser disc and rip the 4K and have to put it on a hard drive and there's only a finite amount of space to hear it how it actually should have been mixed. That's really annoying. Seven point one as well. What? A... That's stupid. This is their link to like. Lowry and THX and all these things that it becomes a thing because THX championed 7.1 for so fucking long. So like the Star Wars movies, the 6.1 or whatever else, it's just stupid. Um, but my excited trousers went on because there was a link on Facebook from dvdstore.it for some more Eagle 4 Cult releases. Again, talking about Eagle 4 Cult, I think Eagle releasing, they're not perfect, they are a very cheap outfit, but they, the only version of Apocalypse Now I own on 4K is their version. Because instead of a box set, I put out each individual version, I only wanted the theatrical cut, I got the theatrical cut, and it has the original sound mix. Studio Canal, Lionsgate, any other mix on any other format, Post, I think the 5.1 Laserdisc has not had the original sound mix. This has the original theatrical sound mix. And it has a whole disc on its own. It can breathe. It's better encoded. It sounds better. It looks better. And it was cheap. It has a nice slipcase if people like slipcases. But they are putting out Raw Deal, as Studio Canal also are. It's pretty much the same horrible, weird 80s porn artwork as i call it it looks really strange um red and like teal blue don't go together it looks really weird Roy Dill is not a it's an okay film i've got the blu-ray it's not one of his classics it's not one i watch all the time it's fine but they are also releasing 
The steelbooks are Fright Night with its 4K version, which is great. Which Sony are putting out currently only in America. They haven't talked about Panay. I've got pre-ordering for America. Um, and their release of re-release of Bram Stoker's Dracula in the steelbook, which is again great. Um, because it's their new Dolby Vision Master with the original sound mix. So I'm going to double dip on that because hopefully, unlike the Ghostbusters mistake, it should have the original sound mix. I'm hoping. But they also have a steelbook of Highlander. Now, Highlander was originally talked about off and on with listings here and there from different like TV store IT or, you know, Amazon here or there in other countries. But we have a picture of a okay looking sort of poster art version of Highlander. I'm looking at the picture now with a steelbook and a 4K plus Blu-ray. And Eagle have rights to this. They released the uh, Blu-ray version, which is better encoded in the Studio Canals version. No matter what twats say on the internet, it is better encoded. It's still not great. I mean, it's still better, though. Um, they are releasing it. Now, I am tempted. The thing with Eagle, you've got to know if you've never bought any of the discs. If there is any dialogue in the film that isn't English, there won't be subtitles for it in English. There just won't. Um, so you could buy First Blood, fine. There is no non-English dialogue in that. Rambo 2 and 3 have non-English dialogue and there is no subtitles in English for those scenes. They are better encoded than the Studio Canal discs, but they are not worth buying if you don't speak Russian or Vietnamese. They, you, you, it's just pointless. Um, Highlander is all English. There is no need um, to worry about buying that disc. So I am tempted just to jump straight on the Eagle version. I have already pre-ordered it. And I always say never pre-order, um, but it's Highlander and it's Eagle. And I like the Steelbook. So worst comes to worst, it's pretty cheap. I can just put another disc in the Steelbook and not cry about it. Um, yeah, it's. I'm tempted to just go with Eagle. Um, the scan that was done for the last remaster was 4K. I'm pretty sure it was SDR, so there might be some play in that. They might have done a new scan. Hopefully Revolt to stay away from it, because they ruined Basic Instinct, and they've ruined Red Sonja. They look weird. Like, bright teal and green skies. It doesn't look human. It's... It's really, really, really weird. I can get it with Red Sonja, people saying, oh, it's not Earth, or it's like a fantasy thing. The green skies, I can kind of deal with it. But Basic Instinct? Is Sam from fucking Cisco? I don't get it. But Highlander, I think, is a safe bet. Um, Raw Deal, um, it probably will look better on the Eagle Disc, and it probably will be cheaper. Um, so... Revolta and what's the other one? Havent something? I've begins with an H. They're, they're also a shit um, mastering house as well. Um, I have no idea if it's going to be any better, any worse, or, you know, it's going to be remastered by anyone else. It's going to be a new master, but I think it's probably the way to go. I am hyped for that um, by a long, long way. Um, I say I am buying less 
recently. I mean, Starship Troopers just came out with its remastered Dolby Vision version. Same with the Ghostbusters box set. I haven't bought either of those. Um, I've got the original 4Ks. My, even though they're light Canon grades, my OLED is not perfect. Don't let me like say it like that, but it's like it seems to be okay tone mapping them down. Um, they're a bit blown out. They're very, very, very contrasty, especially um, Starship Troopers. Um, but I'm not in a hurry to double dip on those steelbooks. Um, same with um, Bridge on the River Choir. I really, really, really should pick that up because, number one, I love that movie. Absolutely love that movie. And they re-released it with the original soundtrack. So I do need to pick that up. Um, but I am waiting for it to go on an offer and I can walk into a shop and physically see that it is the version with the original soundtrack and I don't just go on Amazon or somewhere else and pick up the wrong version by mistake. I want the correct version of that. Um, but yeah, so um, this I'm going to call ahead at one hour, 36 minutes and 54 seconds and say, you know, I've gone through my list of what I want to talk about in this first um, installment. Um, so yeah, um, like I say, this is a first try. I'm not going to be perfect. My equipment isn't perfect. Um, it's a learning curve. Um, I want to try and get some guests on so I can get a dialogue going rather than me just rambling um, and going off on tangents. Uh, get a guest where I can email them a itinerary and say, hey, look, these are the talking points. So we can both prep and say, or three of us can prep and talk about certain things in a certain way or do lists or things like that um there is a patreon i have set up um so if you want to support me um if you think this is going to be something that you definitely want to um you know, hear more of, or you think that this is something you want to support me with, or something that you think that, um, going forward, you want to hear more of, or you want to hear in a different style. I'm open to feedback. I'm open to you know, trying different things or, you know, moving things around and, you know, just, just, just trying this. This is new for me. This is something I used to do with videos here and there. I didn't get anything out of it. You know, I certainly didn't make money from a YouTube content creation point of view. Um, I'm not doing this to make money. I'm doing it because I want to do it. But also, I work full time. I've got a long commute to my job. So me setting time aside on days off or after work to do this is a big thing for me. I want to do it um, because I feel like I kind of want to talk about this stuff. And I don't work with anyone who will let me expunge about Laserdisc for hours and hours on end or our cursory talks about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the occasional classic movie thing that might come up. 
it's not really something most of them are into. You get a bit of Star Trek talk here and there, you know, a bit of Star Wars talk here and there. Um, it's about finding like-minded people who want to hear what I'm talking about. Um, so like I say, yeah, there is a Patreon um, out there. I am the home video update as this podcast will be called. Um, so if you want to support me and go over to patreon.com and look for the home video update, I will put a link um, under this. I'm going to put this up on Podbean, I think, because um, the magazine I write for um, Sega Mania, I do movie reviews, 90s movie reviews for them. Um, they use Podbean and they recommended it to me for their podcast. Um, Patreon, I want to go because I do want to upgrade. Um, I want to get a better mic. Um, I want to get a few more better things. and I want to actually dedicate time to this. Um, and that means money, unfortunately. Um, the cost of living has gone up massive. And I understand that from your guys' point of view. You're listening to me. This is free. I'm not forcing anyone to pay to listen to this. This is free, quote-unquote, entertainment. Hopefully you're entertained. Um, so if you want to chip some money in, especially in this world we live in, where we are very close to Mad Max being a documentary, it is greatly appreciated because money is hard to come by. So if you want to chuck me a couple of quid here and there, then I would greatly appreciate it. If you don't, no harm, no foul. I will keep doing this as long as I can. Um, I want to step up. Um, the tiers are based on, you know, if I get more money in, I will be able to shout out patrons. I will be able to do more podcasts, maybe do a sec. I want to do a second bi-weekly one on a focus topic. Um, I can relaunch the YouTube channel and actually get it going again and do live versions of this. So do video versions or video reviews and things like this. Um, so the scope is there. Um, but as I say, time is money. So if you want to pop over to patreon.com um, with a home video update, then I would be greatly appreciated um, if you would sort of put anything in for me because it would really, really, really massively help me. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this is the first trial of this. It will go up in various spaces. I will tweet about it. I'll probably set up a Twitter account and other social medias for the home video update as an entity um, and put it out into the world. So if you have any feedback, um, obviously um, real shitty rhetoric and like non-constructive criticism keeps yourself because if you sat for an hour 42 minutes and you're going to be a dick, then what the fuck's wrong with you, basically? Um, I don't give a shit on what you've got to say. Um, my voice is my voice. My opinions are my opinions. Um, that's how that works. This is how podcasts work. It's my voice. Um, but if you have enjoyed it, if you have constructive criticism, if you have ideas, if you want to reach out to me because you want to guest on a topic, if I've said something in this first episode that you've gone, oh my God, I've got an opinion on that, um, then tweet at me um, and I will include questions and things. I will set up an email address as well. I say this is more of a a very quick um, test because of the Batgirl news. I really wanted to get something out there and get my opinion out on it because it really pissed me off. But you can tweet at DVD Mike on Twitter for now. Um, I'm DVD Mike most places, DVD Mike 007 on YouTube as Disjunk used to say it, or 007 as I say it. Um, 
But I am the home video update on Patreon, home video update on Podbean. Um, I thank you for listening. I thank you for spending nearly two hours in my rambling rants on old ass physical media and old ass mono and stereo soundtracks and 5.1 when it was 300 kilobytes per second. Um, I am getting old. I am getting rambly. I am getting ranty. That's how it is. That's who I am. And I thank you for listening to episode zero of the home video update.